you have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. Welcome everybody to the Got Till Five podcast with me, your host, Max Curtin, and my other host, Jesse Burns. We're back. This is number 11, right? Fact number 11, that's number damn right. Number 11, yeah. And this week we are doing our top five greatest tag teams of all time, which has not been an easy task for sure. It has not. And there's one tag team that I would like to put on this list, um, which isn't on my list, I'm afraid, but... Um, uh, one Mr. Badass Billy Gunn and one Mr. Benji Banks, who I know are teaming together soon. Definitely, which is our guest this week on the Got Till Five podcast. Everyone, please welcome Benjamin Money Banks. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How's everybody doing today? Good, oh, man. Good. Happy We're Thanksgiving. Excited. Good to hear. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate that. You're a, you're an American gentleman, so that's what we have to say. <laughs> and taking yeah, the time yeah, out. To, to come and talk to us when I imagine you got a lot of stuff going on. You got family coming over and doing all that kind of stuff? Well, actually, I'm going over to uh, my cousin's house and I'm going to be spending Thanksgiving with uh, him and his family. And I just want to say thanks for having me on the show, guys. I'm, I'm glad you guys invited me on. Oh, anytime. Definitely. Um, so this week, obviously, the big news that's been happening was uh, Survivor Series and NXT TakeOver. Did you, did you manage to catch it there, Benji? Yeah, I was able to watch both of them. Yeah, what would you think? Um I like to be honest with you, uh, you know, I always look forward to the NXT takeovers and this one it was really good. I really I really enjoyed the fact that they brought back the War Games match yeah. and they re- those guys really delivered in that match. I you know, I thought it was cool that uh Roderick Strong like he had became a, a member of the Authors of Pain and he was dressed up like him. I thought that was cool. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, the Velveteen Dream and Alex Alistair Black match. I thought that that was a really good match. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole the whole the whole card was really good. You know, I, I from start to finish, I enjoyed it. And then moving over to Survivor Series, I didn't uh, get the chance to watch the pre-show, but I did get to watch the entire main show. And you know, it was really good. Um, I like my favorite match of the night on Survivor Series probably was a. Uh, the Usos versus the Bar. Yeah, you know, I, I really enjoyed that match. Yeah. Like I'm like the Usos. I'm happy where they are right now. And uh, you know, I know you said that you guys were talking about the top five tag teams, and you know, I got to definitely put the Usos up there. Like they've really outdone themselves from when they first begun in WWE till where they are right now. Like those guys, like those are the dudes. It's I crazy, really like right? Them. Like. From from where they were, because I was always, you know, when the whole face paint thing was going on, I just, yeah, I wasn't really a big fan. But the minute that kind of gimmick switch happened and they were allowed to kind of be themselves a little bit more, just love them. Yeah. I think they're amazing. Yeah, yeah, same here, same here. And then plus, I like their entrance music, too. I sing it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome, right? Yeah, but then we got to the main event, which I thought was just is the worst Survivor uh, Series main event I've seen in a very uh, long time. I agree with you. Um uh, like the whole show was really good. And then the main event, it started off all right, but as it, you know, kept on going, like, I was just like, man, like, <laughs> did it really, did it really end like this? Like the whole pay-per-view was good. And it's like, it ends with 
Triple H, you know, doing his thing as usual. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he went. He went. He went full like early two thousands Reign of Terror burial. Yeah. Mode, didn't he? It was it's been a while, but yeah, as you say, and the problem with like when that happens, when because as you say, the rest of the card was great. I agree with you. Bar Usos love that match. I think those two teams as a whole just keep putting on match after match. It's so good. Um, but when you have a main event like that, it kind of taints the rest of the pay-per-view a little bit. And you have to remind yourself, actually, it was a good pay-per-view. It was just that match, really. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, like they say, it's like you can't let one bad apple spoil the whole bunch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, like, even though that match wasn't, as great as I was hoping it to be. Like, I mean, like there was a lot of cool stuff that did happen in that match. Yeah. And I like to always, I always like to take the positives away from, you know, the negative. Yeah. So, you know, while the match wasn't all that great, like there was a lot of cool stuff that happened and, you know, I did enjoy that aspect of the match. Definitely. I loved the, uh, Nakamura Finn when they were just like teasing that. That that was probably my favorite yeah. moment of that match. Yeah. yeah. I probably had to say, I probably had to say my favorite moment was probably when, uh, it was uh but I can't who was it? It was yeah, it was Finn. Shane McMahon was on the outside of the ring and then Finn just came running around and gave him like a missile drop kick. Yeah. And sent and Shane flying into the barricade. <laughs> the way yeah, his head so, kind of bounced like, back, I was like, Ooh, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really did like that part of the match. And then plus Team SmackDown uh slamming Braun through the table. That was pretty cool too, so mm. Yeah, definitely. And um, just also, we should probably mention Brock AJ because that match was phenomenal. No pun intended there. It no, was, pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. That was a great match. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that match. Um, it was a lot of it was a lot of uh, hard hitting going on in that match. Uh, a lot of big stuff. Like I, I, it's like when I go into a Brock Lesnar match, I'm always pulling for the guy that he's facing and. Yeah. You know, I was sitting here thinking, I was just like, man, you know, AJ might be able to do it. He might be able to do it. But then, you know, I had to think back and, you know, realize that AJ did lose to James Ellsworth twice. So, you know, <laughs> it's I always can't... in the back of your head. Always. Yeah, yeah it's always in the back of my head. Yeah. <laughs> um, NXT wise, you're 100% right. War Games, great match. Um, if it had been any other NXT, I think Black and Dream would have stolen the show. Like, yeah. without a doubt, but War Games was just something else. It, it, it started off a little bit, um, a little bit safe, a little bit, bit cautious, but when, when Killian Dane got added in, just all rules went out the window, didn't it? It was just, it was just madness. Yeah. Yeah, really good match. And yeah, Velveteen Dream, excited to see what he does in the future. Yeah, man, I can't wait to see what he does in the future as well. Like, he's really come a long way in such a short time. Um, you know, from, you know, just him starting over at uh, Maryland Championship Wrestling to going to Tough Enough and to eventually getting signed by WWE and brought him to NXT. Like, he's come he's come a really long way and pretty fast, too, you know. Mm. What, that's three all, years, is it? Yeah, yeah. Crazy, man. That's mad. How, how, long, how long have you been wrestling, Benji? I've been wrestling now for five years. Five years. Is that starting training five years ago or your first match was five years ago? Um, that's including training. Like, uh, when I, it's including training. Yeah. Including training. Uh, I want to say what I started, I started in the summer of 2012 and then like I had my first match October of that same year and it was like, Oh wow. That's quick. Well, you've, you've come along in like no time at all as well then. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it's just, it's just about picking up stuff and just, you know, learning, 
learning fast. You know, I, I, you know, I was always a wrestling fan. So, you know, it really came quick to me when I first started in the business. And then as time, as time continued, I'm, I guess that you can compare it to like a fine wine, you know, the older <laughs> it gets the better. So I, I'd definitely say, you know, when I first started in the business, um, you know, I was still green, but you know, as time has passed, uh, I'm still green. I'm still I'm I'm a, I'm a green bottle of wine. That's how it's. <laughs> so it's Tasty. like the wine. It's get it's getting it's getting better, but it's still green. So there we go. I was gonna say I was I was watching um, some of your matches earlier. Um, I love your crowd work. I love the way you interact with the crowd. You just seem to have some of that kind of clicks with them, and they just want to yeah, I'm gonna boo this guy straight away, and you're just right <laughs> on top of them as well. <laughs> yeah, man, I I love being the hill. I love um, I love people booing me and you know shouting at me, yelling at me, and stuff like that. It, it's fun being the bad guy, like Tony Montana said. You know, everybody hates the bad guy. Exactly. Have you ever tried working face? Uh, when I first started in the business, I was a face, and um, you know, currently right now, um, at the main promotion that I wrestle at Vanguard Championship Wrestling, I'm a face right now, and I I was a heel there, you know, since I started. Actually, I take yeah. that back. I take that back. I started off as a face there as well, and then I quickly turned heel, and then I've been a heel there ever since. But I just turned face uh, not too long ago. Oh yeah. Nice. How's that? Go- how's that working for you? It's doing. It's going pretty well. Uh, you know, it's definitely weird, like having people cheer for me. You know, after <laughs> you know, especially after like some of the stuff that I've said to some of these people, and. Uh, <laughs> And now they're cheering for me, so it's uh it's pretty fun. The fans they really uh they're really behind me. Uh, I won uh, their their big show, their biggest show of the year, which is the Liberty Lottery, and I won the Liberty Lottery back in um, July. And nice. when I won it, it was like the whole place erupted with cheers, and I was just like, wow, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> they like know, me. They really totally like me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they really <laughs> like me. Yeah, I tu- yeah, I turned around. I, I did a complete one eighty. That's cool, man. Is that um, is that the favorite match you've had? Do you think? What sort of matches? Have, is there any matches that stick out in your memory as like ones that have really um, you really feel like you overperformed? Yeah, um, actually, there is. Um, I'll say it's more. It's more like you know a yearly thing. Like I feel like you know each year I have <clears throat> excuse me I have a couple of good really really good matches each year and um, the I'll probably have to say that match the Liberty Lottery was the most humbling one because you know it just shows that you know with hard work and determination that you can do anything um, yeah. you know one thing I always say is you know to keep your nose clean because the Liberty Lottery is it's uh it's kind of like the it's kind of like the Royal Rumble. But it's like instead of it being, you know, random, random draw, they actually have a bowl that they carry around the ring and their fans pick the names out of the out of the bowl. Nice. And, oh, that's cool. And what's funny about the Liberty Lottery, too, is because um, when I started at VCW back in 2000 and 2000, yeah, 2014, I started at VCW. And each year I've been in the Liberty Lottery, I've always come out towards the end because it's, it's a total of 20 guys in the match. And I've always come out towards the end of the lottery. But this year was the first time I came out at number five. So, ah. 
Yeah, so, you know, to stay in the ring that long, I mean, you see I'm a pretty big guy, too, so, you know, the, uh, you know, like I said, hard work, determination, and, um, you know, just keep on, you know, working out, working hard, you know, keeping that cardio up, you know, as they say, and uh, just going the distance, and that's what I did, but I probably had to say, like, my favorite match this year will probably have to be against a guy named um, Phil Brown. He's been, uh, uh-huh. you know, he's been wrestling over here in the Mid Atlantic area for years now. So, you know, he's considered a legend here in the area. And I wrestled Phil when I first started in the business um, a long time ago. When I started as uh, originally, my name was David D Money Nichols, and um, you know, I, I transitioned to Benjamin Banks. It's, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like it's like Pokemon. I evolved. Into <laughs> Is this like and, the middle uh, evolution? Have we got a final one to come? You know, you know, you, you know how some Pokemon they they only have two uh, they only have two forms. They have the first one and the second right. one. I didn't I didn't have three forms. We gotta see what happens so, when uh, you go Ultra. We gotta see what happens when. Was that yeah. was there some sort of money stone that evolved you? <laughs> what was that? Oh, the was money there some stone. sort of money stone? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, there was no money stone. It's just, uh, <laughs> you know, everything just started clicking. And, um, you know, w- once stuff starts clicking, you know, you'll you'll continue to get better and better <laughs> as time goes on. And, uh, you know, I had the match against Phil, and it was a really good match. I had this match with him. It was at a company called um, Rage Wrestling Warriors in uh, North Carolina. And it's like... After I had the match with him, he was just telling me, like, you know, how much better I, I've grown in, the, in, you know, my career. And that was, uh, that was a huge compliment to me, you know, from, from somebody like him. Because it's like, you know, he's seen me grow from when I first started to now. And I probably had to say that that was definitely my favorite match of the year this year. That must be the best feeling, man. That must be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Someone kind of gave me that kind of approval and praise there. Um but obviously, is this your next match you've got coming up? It's the the tenth annual Lutz Memorial Cup, right? Is that yeah, the next match yeah. you've got? Yeah. So yourself teaming with Billy Gunn, who's who's the champion at the the promotion. Have I got that right? Yeah, yeah. He he won the championship at their last show back in October. Lovely, and that's against Brandon Scott and Kevin Fawn. Quite big names in there. You looking forward to that match? Yes, sir. I can't wait for it. I definitely can't wait. I- it's it's cool. It's cool getting the team up with Billy Gunn. Uh, you know, I was on another podcast um, a while ago, and I was saying, like, how when I was a kid, you know, I teamed up with Billy Gunn in the video game. And it's like, <laughs> if, I could, if, I, if I could go back in time and tell, like, my 11-year-old self, like, yo, like, you're going to be teaming up with Billy Gunn. Like, I would freak, I would freak out. <laughs> you know, it's like... That's awesome. It's, it's so, it's something that you you never expect in life, you know. I, like back even back when I was younger, like I never thought that I would be a professional wrestler, and that you, you know I would meet so many people who I grew up watching on television, and you know now I'm having the honor to you know work with Billy Gunn. Like I really I really feel like it's a humbling experience. Yeah, definitely, man. That's that's really cool. Did you know that um, our um, we do forfeits on this show, and um, the last time they uh, every time we've done a forfeit, we use um, Billy Gunn's music as the background. As well, let, let's correct that. I have to use Billy Gunn's music because I keep losing the forfeits. So um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we do a prediction, and whoever loses us to a forfeit. <laughs> last time I had to eat one of the world's hottest chilies uh, while singing Billy Gunn's theme music, which. Uh, uh. 
didn't appreciate didn't appreciate that one at all it is the best music to sing when you're eating something horrendously spicy <laughs> Now, now, what, now, which one did you sing? Did you sing uh, I'm a, the Mr. Ass song or oh, did you was, sing was, the Billy was, Chuck song? No, it was the Mr. Ass one. The Billy and Chuck one, that's not a bad shout if we want to mix it up. That yeah. is a good one. We'll do that one next time. I don't think I could do the harmonies if I've got that hot chip in my mouth. <laughs> if, you, if, you do that, if you do that, bring me back on so I can, I, I'll help sing I'll help sing with you. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, nice. You can, you can, hit, you can hit the high, high notes, Benji. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that that real high note in the song. Yeah, that that's yeah. my favorite part of the song. <laughs> hey, speaking of speaking of um, Mr. Ass and asses in general, I've got um, a question for you because I did a bit of research on you. And He's worried I now read, by that lead-in. I know. I read an interview talking about your injuries, and you said something about the most painful injury oh. you've had in wrestling is when a knee <laughs> went up your ass. And oh. um, I'm, in, I'm I'd I'd like I'd like to hear more about this, if I may. <laughs> See the research we do oh, here, Benji. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I love that. I, I, I really do. I really do. Um, yeah. So when I when I first started in the business, uh, I was training at a at a school called Southside Pro Wrestling, which was out Virginia Beach, Virginia, and we were in the ring and we were learning how to do schoolboys. And the guy who I was in the ring with, um, he went to go give me a schoolboy, and when you do it, it's like. You're not supposed to have like your your knees up. No, no, no. And he and he had his knee up, so it's like when I was coming down, it's like uh, my like his knee went up my ass, and <laughs> I, I swear it was like it was the worst feeling in the world because it was like like I felt I felt like I couldn't do anything. Like it hurt when I sat down. It hurt when I got up. It hurt whenever oh, I needed man. To, when I needed to bend over and lift something up. It hurt whenever I went to the bathroom. Like I was just like, oh, like man, like I want to say this was going. This went on for, um, I want to say probably about like two to three months. My ass. <laughs> wow, Jesus. And like, you and like, and I'm the type of, I'm the type of person where it's like, like if I'm injured, I don't go to the hospital. I just, I just take Advil and and call it a day. So. <laughs> I just kept I just kept on taking Advil until you know I started feeling better. Advil and um and eating bananas. That's what I do. Nice and, uh, the cure. That, I like that. that. Yeah. yeah, and that that helped me out. So, but yeah, that was what definitely that was definitely a bad moment in my wrestling career <laughs> early on well, too. It's a vicious business, Benji. <laughs> yeah, he was trying to take out my booty hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so you said you've been a wrestling fan your whole life. Uh, who, who were your favorites when you were a kid? Who's, who were the stars that sort of got you into it? My favorite wrestler. I mean, you know, yeah. everybody's a Hulk Hogan fan, and you know, when yeah. I was when I was a kid, I did love Hulk Hogan. But it's like as time was going on, you know, I started liking Macho Man more than Hulk Hogan. I just liked the ooh yeah, you know, yeah. the voice yeah. and everything. And then he had that beard and you know, when I was a kid they used to say like if you have a beard, like you're a manly man and you know, Hogan <laughs> didn't have a beard. Hogan just had a mustache. Uh, Macho yeah, Man, he had Manchu at that. Yeah. And then, you know, Macho Man he had the beard, he had he had the all these sweet outfits and then he was doing the Slim Jim commercials, yeah, telling Miss Elizabeth that, you know, he had it all. Yeah, Miss Elizabeth, he had it all. So, you know, Macho Man was my favorite wrestler growing up. And um, as time went on, you know, I kind of got out of wrestling um, because, you know, I was a kid when I started watching it and I got out of it. And 
I was what like my cousins, they always watch wrestling and you know, they had the games and everything like that. And they were over at my house one time and I was just watching it and then there was this guy on TV and this guy, like he was just whooping everybody's ass. And that guy was The Rock. And like, you know, The Rock is like what really brought me back into professional wrestling because, you know, all of his catchphrases and, you know, the most being the most electrifying man in sports entertainment and mm-hmm. his feud with Stone Cold, like that's what really brought me back into the wrestling business. That's cool. I feel I feel like The Rock's so un- underrated in the ring as well because he was such a, like you say, with his catchphrase and he was such a big character. People forget like the stunning matches he could put on as well. He was yes. a great worker. Well, that was yes. part, and part of it, wasn't it? They'd have fun, you know, everything that he did from like, <clears throat> excuse me, people's elbows, the over-exaggerated like punches and stuff. It just, it just added even more to the persona. It did, man. And, you know, just like what you just said about the people's elbow, I just read this, um, this interview where they was talking about how the rock came up with the people's elbow, which was pretty much a prank to get the undertaker to laugh. And it's like, (laughs) I like, have you guys heard this story? No, I haven't. No, no. All right. So pretty much what happened was, was, um, you know, everybody was trying to get the undertaker to laugh. Mick Foley, triple H stone cold. It's like, and nobody could get them to laugh. So the rock, he went out there and then, you know, he started doing the people's elbow, like, you know, his little dance thing that he would do. And then, <laughs> you know, he came, you know, hit the ropes, came back with the elbow. And after he hit it, the undertaker rolled out of the ring and he was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so the rock won the bet. And like, that's how the people's elbow became a thing. And what's funny about the people's elbow is like how I said, you know, it started off as a as a prank, as a bet, and then The Rock, he continued doing it, and, you know, he got to move over. Well, I have something similar that I do, which is called the money shuffle. I was going to ask you and, about this. Uh, I want to talk about the dance move that goes with it, man. <laughs> yeah, the money shuffle. Money shuffle. Um, so, so pretty much how the money shuffle started was, um, you, you guys know who Teddy Long is. Teddy yeah. Long. He he does his little dance when he would come out to the ring or whenever he would cut a promo or anything like that. So, you know, that's I, the inspiration from the money shuffle came from his from his dance that he did. And um, when I first started doing it, I was only doing it at work in front of my coworker. And like, you know, he always used to laugh at it and everything. And he always tried to record me doing it. But when he would try to record me, I would always stop. I would always stop doing it. It's kind of like, uh, do you guys remember the WB frog? And like, it, it was a cartoon where it's like, he would always sing and dance. And then like, whenever the guy tried to show somebody, it's like the frog would just become a normal frog. So that's Oh kinda, yeah, 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 yeah. He did yeah, like the can-can, didn't he? And yeah, yeah. 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 So like, that's how I was with the money shuffle. Like my friend, he kept trying to catch me doing it and, and he <laughs> couldn't catch me. So, you know, and my friend, he's also um, a professional wrestler, too. Um, his name is Diamond Victor Griff. So he kept on urging me to do it. And I kept telling him, I was just like, man, I don't want to do it at a, at a show because I feel like I'd be embarrassing myself. And like, he was just like, just do it, man, because I, I believe that you can get it over. So I had a match with him at a show and I did the money shuffle. And after I did it, like everybody was just like, "Yo, like what? What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what is this?" <laughs> and 
And I was just like, oh, it's the money shuffle. So I just kept doing it and doing it. And like people kept on saying that it was a dumb dance. It was stupid. But I got the dance over. And those same people that said that the dance was dumb, I, st- I saw them doing the money shuffle themselves. So yeah, I, yeah. Just, I really feel like, you know, if you really want to um, get something over, you know, as long as you keep on doing it and you believe in yourself and you're confident in it, then you can get it over. And another thing about the money shuffle too is going uh going back to something that Daniel Bryan said where he was, you know, doing the yes the yes chance and the no chance and he just he said that he felt like if you know if he just kept doing it and he believed in himself that he could get it over and he did. To like where you see in arenas and stadiums of people doing yes, 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 still to this day. Yeah. So like that's how that's kind of how it is with the money shuffle. Like I have people that come up to me all the time, and they they do the money shuffle in front of me. Like whenever I go to you know parties with some of my friends, like they always tell me to do the money shuffle. So it's uh <laughs> I'm I'm proud of it. I'm I'm happy that Diamond Victor Griff kept pushing me to do the to get it to that point yeah i I like that and i think um because at the end of this episode we're going to be talking about our because we've done our survivor series predictions so someone's gonna have to do a forfeit and i think whoever loses should incorporate the money shuffle into their forfeit so we'll record it doing the money shuffle we'll make it we'll make it transatlantic I'll uh, I'll find a we'll find a video and I hope it's you Jesse I hope it's you that gets to do it. So I've, <laughs> I've seen I'm, you dance so I want to see it. I can't wait I can't wait to see the buddy shuffle. Huh? Um, so uh, you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, Benji? Is that right? Yes, yes. Dragon Ball Z is the best anime in the world. I don't care what nobody's. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I love Dragon Ball Z. Um, are you a manga fan as well, or just the anime? Um, it's it's a little. Bit of both. Uh, are you talking about like manga in general, or just with Dragon Ball Z? Uh, uh just Dragon Ball Z, but yeah, yes. manga in general. And um, what are you into? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I, I read a bunch of stuff. Uh, Dragon Ball Z, Inuyasha, uh, Ranma One and a Half, uh, Full Metal Alchemist, Death Note. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, Yu Yu Hakusho, Shaman King. Uh, the list goes on. I, I, I can, I can name a bunch of mangas and animes that I'm into, but. Yeah, like Dragon Ball Z is definitely number one in my book. Awesome. Um, can I ask you a question about Dragon Ball Z that's been plaguing me for a while? And I've been um, doing it with Max as well. Um, when um, when people in Dragon Ball Z go Super Saiyan, um, do you think their pubic hair also goes gold? Oh, <laughs> man, man, man. You know, I'm going to answer this question for you, and then... I'm, and then I have a question that I'm going to ask you that I always... <laughs> okay, all right, so, I'm ready for this. So, okay, when they go Super Saiyan, yes, their pubic hair goes gold. And the reason why I say that is because I believe Goku, it was either Go, I think Goku and Vegeta and Dragon Ball Super, I believe they went Super Saiyan and they had beards at the time. And it was like ah. their, beards, their beards went gold. So if their beards can go gold, then the pubic hair can go gold too. Nice. That's solid. Like, I like, that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I believe. Okay, so now this is my question that I always ask, because I, I, I also have a Dragon Ball Z group called Roshi's Island, and um, I, oh, cool. I asked this question in the group as well, but uh, the question is, do you, you think when Goku and Vegeta fuse, does their dick get longer, or do they have two dicks? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's a tough one. That's that's a that's much tougher than my question. Um, I, <laughs> I, I reckon they get two dicks. No, no, no. You disagree? No, I think it's um... they do. I, I think they would get two dicks. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's it seems logical to me. That seems logical to you. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going like it because you don't get two arms, you don't get two heads, so, so why would you get two penises? Uh, I, I, I want two penises. I, mean, I mean, but we'll never so, know. <laughs> we can't ask this question unless we get some like actual Dragon Ball Z writers on here. It'll remain a mystery. Yeah, unfortunately, it will. But that's our goal now. That's our goal for the year. That's what we can work on for the rest of this year. <laughs> um, so. Um, Benji, who are your um, who are your sort of dream opponents right now? If you could pick anyone in the world to wrestle, who would you want to wrestle? I would love to wrestle MVP. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, uh, I you know I met him when I first started in the business, and um, he gave me some really good advice. And he's always been like he was like my favorite after uh, you know after The Rock had finally retired with WWE, and you know I was looking for that next guy to come into the and the next guy that was kind of similar to the rock to come into the fold and MVP was that guy. And, you know, I would love to have a match against him. I would love to have a match against Shelton Benjamin. Um, I would love, I would love to have a match against Vader. Um, I would love to have a match against stone cold. Uh, are we, I mean, you said anybody, right? Because I, you know, I, yeah, some, man. Yeah. From any era, guys, whatever. Yeah. You Cause some of these guys don't wrestle anymore. Um, I would definitely love to have a match against Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels. Um, you know, over right now here on the Indies, uh, I would love to have a match against uh, Caprice Coleman. I would love to have a match against Keith Lee. Uh, you know that you know the list goes on on you know how many guys I would love to you know work. You know, yeah, man. So you got a sort of Cody Rhodes style bucket list going on. Yes, yes, Cody Rose, yes, most definitely. Him, Kenny Omega, you know, I, it's, I would, it's a lot of guys that, you know, I would love to wrestle. If yeah, definitely. opportunity, you know. So what's the, what's the plan? Are you, are you sort of aiming towards WWE? Are you happy on the indies? Do you want to go Japan or, or UK, you know, places like that? What's, what are you working towards? Um, honestly, you know, I would, I would love to make it to the WWE. But at the same time, you know, one of my biggest, you know, dreams is to wrestle overseas. Like I would, I would definitely love to come over to the UK. I love to wrestle in Japan. I, I'd even love to wrestle in Mexico. You know, that's one of my things is just, you know, when I was a kid, I used to see like how the wrestlers used to travel around the world and, you know, just show themselves off to, you know, all of these people and, you know, that's one of my dreams is to just take the money shuffle and have everybody in Japan doing the money shuffle with me or you know, <laughs> going over to the UK and having the money shuffle over in the UK. You know what I'm saying? Even going to Canada, just taking the on the money shuffle train and just having everybody do the money shuffle. Money like, shuffle that's, train, that's, I like that. Yeah, that's, that's what my goal is. Like, you know, even if I don't make it to the WWE, you know, I'm, I would be proud of myself that, you know, that I was able to become a professional and, you know, just do what I love, just being able to entertain so many people, you know, like, that's what it's all about. Yeah, 100%, man, because WE at this point isn't 
you've seen it with so many people. It's not the be all end all anymore. Um, the amount of people who are having great careers across the indies. You you mentioned Japan obviously blowing up. Um, the UK scene over here is ridiculous. Um, and yeah, America, Canada. There's, there's just so much wrestling about now. It's amazing. Yeah, man. It's it's like the indies is where it's at right now. Yeah, the indies is really the land of opportunity. Like just you know traveling the world and just you know showing yourself to so many different people. You know, like that's that's what it's really all about. I mean, like you know, WWE will always be, I think, anybody's you know top of the list, like the place that they always want to go. Yeah, and you know, even even if it's just you know being in uh, a dark match or being in a squash match, as long as you can say that, dang, you know, I was able to wrestle for WWE. Like, to some people, like that's all they want to do. I mean, like when you look at somebody like James Ellsworth, you know, he got to be in a squash match against Braun Strowman. And then it's like, they brought him back. Cause he, cause he was so popular. You yeah. Know, he, he was so popular because of, you know, the match with Braun Strowman and they brought him back and he got to live out a one year dream. So that's really cool that he got to do that. So I, I, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you never know, you never know what can happen. It's you go true. There, it's get true. Squashed and, and then they want, they, they like what they see and then they sign yeah. you. But if you get squashed, they see the money shuffling, and they go, "We need to bring that back. We need the money shuffle." That's all. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. It's like just let me do the money shuffle, then you can do whatever else you want to do with me. But just let me show, <laughs> let me show all these people around the world the money shuffle. Because I'm telling you, like once you see it, you just like, oh, like what? What the hell is this dance? Like we got to get that guy over here. Exactly. I'm getting behind this, Max. I'm I'm on the money shuffle train. You're, you're on the train. You bought a ticket. Yeah. I'm ready for this. There's some, we're going to spread the word for you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll get it over over here. Um, we won't keep you too much longer. So you've got Thanksgiving coming up, but we're going into our top five tag teams at the moment. Do you have a top five tag team? Uh, yes, I do. Ooh, lay it on us. What have you got? All right. My top five tag teams of all time. Number one, the Dudley boys. I love, yeah, I, love, I love the 3D. I love the Devon get the table. And that even like even though they don't do it anymore, but back in the day when they used to do the Wata, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, that was my thing, man. So the Dudley Boys are number one. Number two are the Road Warriors, Animal Hawk. Number three would be the New Age Outlaws. Oh, you didn't know, you know. I just love, I love the whole, you know, Road Dog Jesse James, you know, coming out there, you know, talking during their entrance and everything. So you know, I really love that. Number four will be Harlem Heat. I love Booker T. I love Stevie Ray. If you guys ever get a chance, listen to some of Stevie Ray's stories on um on Title Match. Like his his podcast stories, like they're hilarious. Like it's like the dude is funny as hell. And uh, my num- <laughs> oh, cool. my, my number five tag team, uh, it replaced it replaced you know my original number five tag team, but my number five tag team is the Usos. Because oh. just like I was telling you earlier, like. From where they be, where they started at to where they are right now, like I love them, I love everything about them. So that's my top five tag teams. It's a solid choice, you know. Usos at the moment, I think they they've only got a brighter, and their future is just yeah, it, they're, they're going to be around for a long time, especially if they keep this up. Um, you look at the past pay per views that have happened; every single one of the best matches has been them. Obviously, New Day's been a great contributing factor but yeah usos have just killed it and um yeah i'll I'll, definitely have to check out some of that like stevie ray stuff because 
Yeah, that's Stevie Ray stuff. I've never checked out. I've never really... Because you sort of view him as the Marty Janetti of Harlem Heat a little bit, don't you? So, But I should definitely go back and um, listen to his stuff, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I would definitely uh, do it, man. Because uh, he has a lot of really good, interesting stories. Um, it's really funny. And it's like after I watched um, the, the video on YouTube, I went and looked up the match that he was talking about. And it was so hilarious. So... Um, you definitely want to check him out. Like, like he's like I say, he's a really funny guy. Awesome man. So, where can people find you? Like, you, social media, Twitter, and stuff. Where's the best place to get on um, the money train? Yeah, on Twitter you can find me at Benji underscore Banks, and on Instagram you can find me at King Benji Banks, and then on Facebook you can find me at Benjamin B twenty three. Lovely. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure I post those uh, links on our social media as well. And uh, if you can send us over a match, we'll, we'll make sure we share out a match as well. That'd be uh, be wicked. Um, and yeah, definitely. Benji has been awesome. Uh, we'd love to have you come back for a full show. Obviously, when you're when you're not all crazy busy going on, but yeah, it's been great talking to you, man. Thank you. Hey guys, I, I had a lot of fun. I, you know, I'm I'm happy that we were able to do this. Like this is the special Thanksgiving episode. So there we go. Uh, yeah, man. That's how we promote it. So, so, you know, happy Thanksgiving to, you know, you guys and happy Thanksgiving to everybody that listens to this episode. Cool, man. It's been a pleasure to have you, mate. And um, yeah, nothing but nothing but positive vibes for you in the future. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Brother, 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 brother. I happen to love the number five. Brother. You have until the count of five. Brother. You got to the count of five. Brother. So, um, top five tag teams of all time. Of all times. Uh, yeah, thanks for Benji for coming on as a guest during this busy holiday festive season. Um, well, I'm sure we'll have him back on again to do a, a full top five of us. But as you say, Jesse, now is the pressing matter. Top tag teams of all time. Why could we not just do top current tag teams? I know this got really hard. Um, it. Thinking of um, ones of all time. Um, have you got any um, current tag teams in your all-time list? Mm, let's have a scroll. Dead, dead, <laughs> dead, dying. No, I don't. Oh, interesting. I, I, I do. So this, this will be um, an interesting list. We might Ooh. not even have any clashes. Who knows? Um, Who? That's got me intrigued now. Yeah. Who would possibly? have earned the status of greatest of all time. I think I know, but I'll wait. I'll wait. Well, um, yeah, I, I think when we're talking about like greatest tag teams of all time, we're going to have crossovers. Yeah, I, I think there's, so. There's like the Rushmore of, of tag teams, so I, I feel like there'll be a few drops laid out here and there. Okay, well, without further ado, um, do you want to go first, dear boy? I will. I will. And in honour of what we were just discussing with Benji... And in honor of our forfeits, oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. God, we're just, we're just riffing. We're amazing. It's the New Age Outlaws. Number five best tag team of all time. Good choice. Um, dominated my they dominated me as a young child watching watching the WWF. Yeah, they um they they the Enzo and Cass of their time in the sort of catchphrases and stuff they do it so much better like i was going back and reviewing videos today and it's like yeah new day's got a cute thing going on yeah enzo and cast got a good pop nowhere near what new age outlaws used to get no in their prime they were awesome 
yeah, they they had the crowd eaten out of their hands, and and they would just have kind of the best. I'm not going to do the whole thing because it's exhausting, and I'll be here all day, and I'll probably mess it up. But it's amazing. Um, Billy Gunn, Jesse James, they um, they weren't really big stars before they got together. In all honesty, Road Dog was feuding with Jeff Jarrett. Billy Gunn was a tag team champion with Smoking Guns, known as the Rockabilly at that time. But both weren't really working as kind of singles competitors. No. But they... Oh, I thought you were going to come over a fact, Ben. Come over a fact. Oh, I will. Okay. Uh, well, at the time, um, they there was a time when they saw Billy Gunn as their next, like, Roman Reigns or something like that. They were really into pushing Billy Gunn. And you can tell because of the way they talk about him on the commentary and stuff, sort of calling him the, the greatest athlete in the WWF today and things like that, which uh, he wasn't, obviously. And uh, they were really into it. And obviously, you know, what better way to get someone over as a main event star than call them Mr. Ass? Exactly. Well, the guy had the look, the guy had the talent, you know, it's as much as we, I I think Billy Gunn in ring is great as a singles competitor. Really? He's okay. I do. I do. I think he's got a great moveset. Do you Uh, remember, have you seen um, King of the Ring 2001? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you remember they keep cutting to WWF New York and Billy Gunn yeah. is there <laughs> doing the host? And he's just really pissed off that he's not on the show. Do you remember I that? I don't know why. Like, it's lovely, but I, I went to that New York place. It's great. It was oh, great. Must have been you know? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> just bitter. <laughs> Back to you, JR. They must have been. Lesson. Did they sell you burgers? Did they do a good sell job? No, I pretty much went in for um, the merch side. I didn't go in for the restaurant. Um, but I went in and there was... You completely missed my joke. <laughs> I did. I'm trying to even think what was funny about it. A good sell job. Oh. Like selling? You smart. Yeah? Idiot. Yeah? Did you, yes, put tomato, did you put tomato sauce on your burger? Did uh, Did your burger get juice? <laughs> As he makes... Get out! <laughs> get out! <laughs> I you, you were um, genuinely interested in how I spent my time at WF <laughs> New York for a second. Were the, were the fries good, or did you um, did you need to season them with some moon salt? <laughs> I'll give you that one. Yeah, yeah, you will. Come on, <laughs> all right. Tell me about WWF New York. I'm genuinely no, interested. Kind of top that now. Uh, no, I, I basically went into the shopping side of it. I didn't go and eat in there, and they just used to play wrestlers' um, theme music. That was there, like you know, in every shop they've got their music. Um, my family didn't understand it at all. I spent a good 40 <laughs> minutes in there just looking at... Imagine going to a store where they just have, like, WE shop merch just dead that you can touch. It's lucky it doesn't exist anymore, because if you're in there and then, I'm an ass man, came on, uh, you'd probably have, like, PTSD. <laughs> I'd have to put something in my mouth, just someone I didn't care for. <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah, I, New I, Age Outlaws. Benji tells, tells him of our... <laughs> Of what's happened. I hope he does. I hope so, yeah. It's his greatest legacy. It's Mr. Ass's greatest legacy is what he uh, does for us at our forfeits. I love it. I will remember, though, just this, like, first-year-old man walking between, because they were playing Triple H's theme music at the time, and there was, like, this first-year-old guy in this, like, anorak with really big rimmed glasses. Might have been making this up in my head for how creepy (laughs) he looked, but I'm going to say that's what he looked like. And he's just skulking around. I was going... I am the game. You don't want to play me. I have control. Amazing. Mum, he's weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but once they're kind of... I've noticed lately on episodes, we're getting really sidetracked. 
Yeah, right. I was going to say, like, and this is why you like the New Age albums. <laughs> <laughs> but they eventually came together and they were this heel tag team, cheating their way to victory, and then obviously joined D-Generation X, which was great career move for them. Um, and yeah, they did really well. They weren't really together that long when you think about it, in 97 to about 2000. Um, yeah. It's kind of their run, but it was such kind of an impactful run that they did have. Um and then even when they came back to WE, they, they had a great ovation, even won the tag team titles again. Oh, yeah. Which, and then they beat, went heel again, didn't they? They became yeah. an authority New Age outlaw. Yeah, beat Cody Rhodes and, and Dusty, the Brotherhood, at the time. Yeah. They, they were obviously together during TNA, but we're, we're just not going to get into that. We don't count that. I've got a tag team later on that did a lot there that I completely dismiss. Good choice, good choices. Um, But yeah, they became six-time champions overall, five-time WF, and then at one time WWE. And uh, I just thought they were awesome together. Um, I don't think they would have... They're they're a tag team that just wouldn't have worked together at all. You look at the modern-day, not version, but um, a good example is how in NXT, Jason Jordan was really suffering to find his character... Chad Gable wasn't really getting over, but they put the two together and it just worked. And it was the same thing for for Billy Gunn and uh, Jesse James. They just kind of worked together and had some really good kind of feuds going on. Um, Obviously, the most memorable is when they put uh, Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack in a dumpster and threw it off the stage. Yeah, classic, classic moment. Cactus, Cactus, I can't feel my arms. Where's Cactus? Where's Cactus? (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, we shouldn't. He's not wow. He's not a wow man. Funker, he's all right. <laughs> he's fine. He'll he's be fine. fine. He's better than Dory. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my top five. I was going to go on. Can't be bothered. What's your top five? My 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 number five of five is um, the Steiner brothers. Oh, now I know that this isn't what wrestling should be about. But, it is. <laughs> but watching like really big roided men throw other men directly onto their heads is something I really enjoy, right? And no one did it better than the Steiners. And also, this was uh, when the Steiner brothers were in their prime in like mid nineties WCW. This was, and they they were uh, they were in WWF for a bit. People forget that. Mm. And um, a lot of people in the early nineties, and uh, a lot of people didn't want to work with them because they valued their necks, which is fair enough. <laughs> but um, this is all like this is. Before Scott Steiner went through his like mad transformation, have you ever looked at like obviously old Scott Steiner and new Scott Steiner? I, I think it's like the whole Michael Jackson replaced by aliens thing. Yeah, I don't believe it's the same person. No, it's a, yeah, some alien with chainmail came down. <laughs> <laughs> the way he talks, you could justify it. The math promo alone he cut is enough to kind of say like, yeah, he's mental. Well, he's got no simpy. But um, <laughs> it was always my thing. On here comes the pain. The um, PS2 Smackdown game, I would just always take Scott Steiner to the top. He just, he was my guy on that game to turn into like the world champion on Raw. And um, Redacted was handling Smackdown. But um, Scott Steiner, um, yeah, so before he went through his crazy transformation, both mentally and physically, and um, became too big and roided and fucked up to actually wrestle well, um, he was amazing. He was really good in the ring. Yeah, both of them, I think, are, yeah. are fantastic. You know, I think Rick could need... I always feel like Rick dropped more people on his heads. I, I don't know if we've got an official count. I'll, st- I'll start at. one. I'll start one. <laughs> I'll, I'll, re- I'll restart my Nitro journey and um, keep it From up. 1988, you're going to go back. Yeah. 
I um yeah, but th- this was this was both of them at their athletic peaks. I think peaks and freaks. Um, thanks. just hitting. Thanks, mate. Just hitting like incredible moves, incredible high flying moves. Uh, Scott Steiner innovated the Frankensteiner. That's awesome, right? That's like used so often still today. Yeah, yeah, very true. And and, you just yeah. can't imagine him doing that now, or like you know yeah, when yeah. he got bigger. But it was awesome. They they were just really good. I feel. Bad for the dog-faced gremlin, Rick Steiner. <laughs> um, it's the best nickname in the world, though, right? It is. The dog-faced gremlin. And I didn't... When I first heard it on commentary, they just said it so naturally. And it was like, what? <laughs> I had no one acknowledged it. It was like, um, oh, and he tags in the dog-faced gremlin. And that's just <laughs> that's just his accepted nickname. And then you think about it and you go, yeah, you do look like a dog-faced gremlin. But once um, Scott Steiner, I mean, he's the mighty Janetti of that team, you know, Scott Steiner went on for, to world titles in WCW and um, Rick faded into obscurity. Do you know Have what he does now? What's he doing now? Guess. Does he run a dog pound? No. What does every other wrestler do? Lives in Florida. Um, I, th- I think he might actually, but um, yeah. but what does he do for a living? What do a- all these wrestlers do for a living? I don't know, actually. Did they open up some kind of restaurant or no. continue wrestling depressingly? And... No. You're... Well, he does still do the occasional indie show. And the Steiner Brothers actually reunite on occasion um, at indie shows. But at his day job, you're going to kick yourself when I tell you. What is it? He does real estate. Ah, oh, of course he does. Like all, all the wrestlers estate. do. <laughs> Why do all the wrestlers do real estate? Real estate Steve. Real Estate Steve, yep, Sting. Vader talked about doing real estate in Wrestling with Shadows when I watched that the other day. He, they wouldn't say no, though. Like, if big, big Vader was like, it comes with a pool, comes with its own uh, separate separate laundry room. <laughs> he was working on a hundred, um, what did he say? A hundred thousand square feet shopping mall um, when Wrestling with Shadows was made. And uh, now he just wants to die in the ring. And um, Nikki Bella, there was an episode of Total Divas oh, where yes. Nikki Bella did some real estate. They're all at it. <laughs> I think real estate Steve is still the king, though. Real estate Steve is. Because yeah. I do pitch him, you know, when they have like the little bus ads and they've got the, the business cards. He would just look so normal in that role. <laughs> he would, but He'd like... Say, oh, a real estate guy works out a bit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, why, why is he holding a baseball bat over his shoulder? <laughs> Why does he keep disappearing to the bathroom to paint his face? <laughs> but yeah, um, anyway, Steiner Brothers, away from real estate. Um, put on, they, a side back again. They put, yeah, and again, they did a lot of cool stuff in Japan as well, which is where I think they learned how to throw people onto their heads. And um, just, just yeah, great moves, great athleticism. The strength was awesome. And the fans loved them, man. Like, you know that thing Americans do, um, like jocks, you know, that... Yes. Yeah, they loved that shit. They were doing that for the Steiners all the time, all the crowd, and it was it was quite cool. Like they invoked a good reaction out of the fans. I think so. I'm just looking up a fact on the Steiner brothers, and it doesn't make sense to me. So just accept it at face value and move on from it. Okay. It says here they are the first tag team to hold WWF World Tag Team Championships, WCW World Tag Team Championships, and the IWGP Tag Team Championships. Okay. Why doesn't that make sense to you? I think I'm reading it right. I think I'm reading it as they're the first people to ever hold it. But I think oh no no no, they're the first person to have, have all three. Yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. Pretty impressive though. It is pretty impressive. I mean, like you know, they didn't earn them; they were given to them in a work sport. But it's very impressive. <laughs> Damn, Carney, Gypsy folk. <laughs> 
So that's my number five. I enjoy them very much. And I didn't actually know I loved them so much until I went through my Nitro journey um, about, what was it, about 10 months ago now. I started watching Nitro just from the start and went through. And I just realised how truly awesome they were. And that's, and, have you ever seen Scott Steiner do a Steiner screwdriver? Yes. I've, I've never seen, God, I've never seen one and not thought that man is now paralysed. <laughs> speaking of which, I watched some draws matches earlier. Oh yeah, speaking of paralysis, nice. <laughs> um, that That's why I've got so many like old tag teams in my list, because I'm a huge fan of tag team wrestling. It's probably my favourite form of wrestling. Um yeah, it is. I love tag team wrestling. There, there's nothing better. So, like, when I, which makes sense for how much I, when I was growing up, I loved the Hardys. I loved Edge and Christian Dudley's. All they did was, well, oh, it's amazing. Um, so I went back and watched so much old wrestling because I think tag team wrestling is the real genius of wrestling. I agree. Fight me, single wrestlers. Fight me. No, I agree. I agree. When it's done right, it's there's nothing better. When it's done right. And two men who do it right, two men who hit harder than anybody else, would be in their WWF days named the Brain Busters, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Ooh, good. Nice choice. Mainly because I can't put the revival on this list yet. Fair, fair enough. I can't. I can't. Yeah, they, they've still got some proving to do, so I was like, why not put the original revival on the list? And that's Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Nice. I like that they're the original revival as opposed to the revival being the second coming of Arn yeah. Anderson and Tully Blanchard. No, they're the original revival. Yeah. Um, they were a great tag team. They just they just hurt people. Another one, as you said previously with the Steiners, where you watch them wrestle and you just go, yeah, that guy's dead now. That guy's <laughs> been hit so hard that uh, he he's going to be tasting his anus. <laughs> and it tastes good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, someone had the audacity on um, a Facebook group that both you and me are on to post how um, they thought Arn Anderson was the most boring wrestler they've ever seen. And like, you know, oh, no charisma, there's just nothing there. You just bored the shit out of me. It's like, you just don't get it, friend. Like, Arn Anderson... <laughs> I'm going to come to your house. God. I'm going to show you. Yeah, Arn Anderson is the man. He was awesome. That, do you see, remember that clip I showed you uh, against Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright, when, oh, yeah. he, uh, when he goes to punch him, but um, holds it, and Alex Wright bends down to avoid the punch. <laughs> Arn just grabs him and straight down into a DDT. It's a classic. It's a oh, classic Arn. Such a good, such a good clip. I just watched that on repeat. The thing I love about Arn, and I mainly got, I was watching War Games 92 earlier. Um, well, yeah, as we've discussed, and we'll, we'll discuss our NXT TakeOver results later. Um, but I was watching War Games 92 with Arn. The thing I love about Arn Anderson and the way he looks is, he looks like he'd kill you in the ring, but he also looks like he'll sell you a Rolex watch and a vacuum cleaner. Well, now, now he looks like a sort of friendly grandfather figure. Yeah, but like I just but, always send him as the kind of guy you go into an electronics store and he's just telling you about the latest deals and, and what they've got <laughs> in store at the moment. With a slightly stained got... jumper. Yeah, exactly. Like oh, a bit of mustard from his lunch. Yeah. He yeah, but he was in a hurry. He's got week. stuff to sell. Yeah, he's got stuff to sell, man. Aren't yeah. low, low prices. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> there it is again. The two of them, though... Um, Obviously, kind of worked the circuit with NWA, uh, a little thing called the Four Horsemen that got a little bit of steam going going around. Um, but then they teamed uh, in the WWF with management of Bobby the Brain Heenan, hence the Brain Busters. It was basically just those two tagging, except they point to their heads every once and again, going, "Look how smart we are! Yeah, We're so smart." Right, it works um, for me. 
Yep. And the pair won the WF tag team titles um, before Blanchard was eventually released. Uh, short run, but a great run. If you haven't had a chance to, to kind of catch up on what they've done, it's definitely worth a watch. And they were, yeah, inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2012. Uh, Four Horsemen, obviously great, but I love Arn and Tully. I think they're probably my two favorites. Yes, I know Rick's in there, but I, I just love Arn and Tully together. Yeah, fair enough. Um, my favourite um, version of the Four Horsemen is actually um, with um, Arn, Rick, Pillman, and Redacted. Personally, had to had to get in a mention in that. I'm had sorry. To yeah, I'm sorry. But um, um, but yeah, that was my favourite. It is a good one. It is a good one. Um, the Brainbusters also did a Spike Piledriver as their finishing move, which looked aggressive. Yes. If we could, yeah, it, and also. Also from War Games ninety two, his spine buster. If anyone disagrees that it's the best spine buster in the business, just get out. Oh yeah, no, odds is uh, is the greatest easily, easily. Um, yeah, great talent. And um, Tully doesn't get enough. He does get recognition, but not as much as he should. Yes, I agree. Um, to be to the quite... Dean Malenko that kind of era. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I mean, I'm a prime example of that because I haven't seen that much of his work, really. And um, I should probably check it out more. I mean, we obviously see his daughter now on um, NXT and she's good, I think. But um, She's very good. I loved her match in the Mae Young Classic because yeah. I, I saw like um, Tessa do matches a couple here and there in NXT. But she was the standout of that tournament for me. Yeah, cool. Yeah, definitely. Um. Not to get sidetracked again, sorry, but just a quick thing as we're talking about Arn Anderson. Um, and I can't remember exactly what pay-per-view this was, but this is when I was watching my WCW stuff. Um, and Pil- it was when Pillman was on his way out of WCW and he has a match with Kevin Sullivan, right? Yeah. And um, so the match happens. Kevin Sullivan's battering Pillman. And then Arn Anderson comes out, right? And just the way he walks down to the ring, and the fans are all like, "Oh, like as if, as if, like <laughs> as if Pillman's told you done messed up." Yeah, but it's like it's like he's coming out as Pillman's dad, like to sort of protect <laughs> him, and so and the fans like react in that way as well. It's like, yeah, you've been beating up young Pillman, but here comes the big older guy, and he's going to show you what for. And and he, it really feels like that. He just has that sort of big scary dad coming home vibe about him in that bit which yeah I, after I selling can't remember what pay per view it is yeah yeah exactly he's been on nights he's stressed he's angry but <laughs> his wife doesn't love him anymore he's <laughs> on dinner it's in a loveless marriage he can't cook and microwaves weren't around when he was in his prime were they what, what could what could he do eat raw meat he just, just, like, he just turns up to mcdonald's every night and like, oh god arn's back again <laughs> <laughs> He just walks yeah, through. He just walks through the drive-through, but they let him. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, um, Arn and Tully. That awesome. I agree. Can I move on to my number four, please? Please do. Thanks. My number four is a current tag team, and Ooh, they are the Young Bucks. Really? Yeah, I think they're brilliant, and I think they're going to be remembered for a long, long time as one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Like, uh, they're just so entertaining, man. They're both good wrestlers. They're pro- promos, if you can call them that. I've never seen them do a proper promo, but I've seen them, like, chat a lot, you know, in Japan, like they do. Yeah. And um, they-, they seem on it and entertaining and stuff. And you've got to respect the living they made for themselves without knocking at the door of WWE. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. As with, you know, the rest of Bullet Club. But I think Young Bucks really pioneered that as far as how to actually make good money from 
something like that. You know, the Young Bucks were the ones that did it. And they seem to be a real Marmite team. Like, for everyone you meet who absolutely loves the Bucks, there seems to be someone who can't stand them. It's true. Absolutely hates them. And I, I, I'm not sure why. Like, I can, like, some people have said that their whole thing is ripping off other wrestlers' gimmicks. But not anymore. I mean, no, like, I mean, they to still... a degree when they started gaining momentum and stuff. It wasn't their whole the thing, of... but it got popular. Well, I get, like, you know how much respect Undertaker has, right? And yeah, yeah. If he hits a tombstone, that's it. And so they do a tombstone with an added flip, jumped off the top rope, you know, and it's still, and they, everyone still kicks out of it. And I understand why that can annoy people. But what it, do you remember when we used to wrestle each other on the bouncy castle at the youth club? Yes. When that's we were a kids, story for right? another day, listeners. Yeah, it is. But when we would wrestle, what would we do? We would, we wouldn't. We wouldn't like do holds and stuff, would we? We just spam finishes. We just spam our favorite wrestlers' finishes on each other yeah. over and over again because that's how kids want to wrestle, right? So, like, we just hit each other with a pedigree, hit each other with an F5, hit each other with an angle slap. Like, there's no like regular moves like linking them. That's how kids wrestle. That's how kids want to wrestle. That's how the young bucks wrestled. It reminds me of being <laughs> a kid again, and I really like it. I like that analogy. I do yeah. like that. Yeah, they bring me back to childhood, and I love them for it. And that's why we were putting on Five Star Classics in a Christian youth community centre, baby. Exactly. That's where I um, first started drumming as well. That place brought me a lot. Um, yeah. Um, we, didn't, yeah. We didn't sell as much merch as they did. Sort of a little bit, but not as much as they did. We sell, no, we didn't. We, we're, not on, um, we're not on the Bucks money yet. But, no. um, but we need... You know what? Pro Wrestling Tees, they only need um, 10,000 followers on social media, across all social media, and they will allow you to have a shop on Pro Wrestling Tees. Oh damn! Got till five listeners. Get on it. Get Let's on get it. Sharing. We Let's can have some going. Got till five hit 10, t-shirts by <laughs> by New Year. Yeah, easily. Who doesn't want a um, t-shirt with the King Kong Bundy um, cartoon on? <laughs> I think those things will sell like hotcakes. And They'll then fly. we've got the Chris Benoit with like the redacted across his eyes. We're gonna yes. Rip off... oh, God. Oh. I, I'm sure we've got some annoying catchphrases that we do. We that can. We can... Do... There's a, there's a really famous Sex Pistols t-shirt with Sid and Nancy on it, right? We can do that, but with Benoit and Nancy. Great. That was <laughs> It'll be so good. Hell, I'll wear it. It'll be fine. <laughs> so, this'll be awesome. We get asked to leave every single wrestling show. So please leave or change your t-shirt. <laughs> so, we'll just take it off. No, God, no. Put that pale thing away. <laughs> go, go. Um, so, fun yeah, fact. Uh, that's the Young Bucks. Yeah, go on. Oh, you got fun facts for everyone. Oh, I do, man. I'm on it today. Um, well, it's not a fun fact. It's a depressing fact. Nick is only 28 years old. Oh, God, really? Yeah. That I thought he was depressing. much older. Is he, the, is he the youngest? How old's Matt? Uh, Matt's 32. That's, that's acceptable. That's acceptable. I, um, yeah. Well, the thing is, that he, so Nick's only 28, but just remember, he's still older than us and will remain, older, will remain older than us forever. True. Yes, let's see how far your flippy shit gets you now, Nick. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, you, we're never going to catch you up, mate. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the young, so the Young Bucks, they bring me it back was, to childhood. And, and yeah, I agree, because nobody has been more successful in terms of, like, just being an indie wrestler and being that well-known as a tag team and, and as a brand in general. Um, and obviously, the money that they make, obviously we don't know exact figures, but... If I had to put a figure on it, a trillion. <laughs> Good figure. Good well, they've figure, got, right. 
Well, they've gone. They've gone on record as saying that um, they would make less money um, in NXT and would be working a hell of a lot more dates. Yeah, yeah. They've got like drone money and they've got like steak for breakfast money. Yeah, they're fine, and they've got. Um, they're, they're both married, I think, and they've both got a couple of kids and seem to have very comfortable lifestyles. So they must be on good money. Must be because kids drain everything. They do. That's why I am childless and lonely. So, um, what's your number three, good friend, good buddy? Good friend, good or friend. Is your, or is it your number four? No, your number three. I can't number, remember. No, number no, three. Three. You've done three? New Age we Outlaws. Sure? We yeah. sure? You've done New Age Outlaws and um, uh, Tarn and Ali. Turn and Ali. Okay, at number three, for the benefit of those with flash photography. Number three! Yes, yes, at number three. I thought maybe you're one. I know, I know, but there are two that you'll go, yeah, they're they're the better tag team. Edge and Christian, if you've never listened to this podcast before, got a bit of a thing for Edge. It's not weird, it's totally healthy. Mine's still alive and didn't kill his family, so it's okay. (laughs) Um, But he's still Canadian. Still Canadian, though. Still got it. Um, but he's actually got a personality, unlike the ones you enjoy. Ah, oh, you son of a bitch. Boom. Uh, these two are fantastic just because they're they're what me and Jesse are on this podcast. They've got that that you know best friend since childhood, so they've just got that bond, that bond that holds them together like glue, and you can never separate it. Well, yeah. Um, uh, is there anyone that you can compare us to where one really likes the other, but the other one isn't that keen? Because I feel like that would be a better analogy. <laughs> I don't think Edge is keen on Christian. Edge is more successful, so like, okay, I'm Edge. Well, well, I'd be Edge. <laughs> no, you're not, you idiot. <laughs> like, you'll get, you'll get the title eventually, but it'll be out of pity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then when I um, kill myself, like, figuratively in the ring, they'll just quietly retire me and won't mention it. No, 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 no four day goodbye. No. Oh, but yeah, when they were a tag team, what a tag team they were. What a tag team. What a tag team. First coming in as the Brood. We've mentioned the Terry Invitational Tournament before when they first started getting their stuff together. And then they became the comedic charms that we know and love today. Uh, what would you describe them as? Surfer, kazoo playing geniuses? Stoners, that's the word. Yeah. Love um, it. Yeah, it was it was a cool gimmick. I liked it, and um, it makes you appreciate Edge all the more when you see what an amazing heel he went on to be afterwards, and still able to do sort of that silly comedy stuff as well. And Christian to a degree as well. He did a good job too. Yeah. But um, but yeah, great tag team. Uh, team Eck was my favorite incarnation of Edge and Christian. Team Eck was good. What about Kurt Team Wreck? Team who was Team Wreck with? Team Wreck was with Edge, Christian, Kurt Angle, and Rhino. Oh yeah, I forgot about Ryder. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Ryder's the one that uh, wins it for them at Mania 17. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, but uh, the Brood stuff I was never that keen on because I'm not a big, like, ooh, scary underground vampire thing. Ooh, vampires! <laughs> uh, but the comedy stuff, like when they would go to towns and start mocking the town pride, like being Elvis or mocking baseball i don't know baseball i just know that they mocked and it was funny and obviously <laughs> that's where the five second pose came from which is what i did which is hanging on my wall right now me and edge doing five second pose yeah you did you should take a picture of that and put it on the socials i should do it on the socials shouldn't i yeah people should show like that. it would um and I'll, yeah can you photoshop hey. one of me and benoit no no i can't <laughs> oh please i really can't <laughs> you can put uh, redacted across his eyes 
come across both your eyes. I'll, I'll recreate the Sid and Nancy, just you two together. Yeah, thank you. I'd appreciate that. You're welcome. And the concerto, which I still think is the coolest move that you can it, do to someone. It is a good. Although uh, when I was a kid, you know how so the big TLC matches happened uh, at Mania and SummerSlam and all that, and it was like Dudley Boys have the tables. Um, the Hardy Boys have the ladders. Edge and Christian have the chairs. And as a kid, I just remember thinking, like, they've just given them the chairs because there was nothing else. Like, there's that's, that's <laughs> rubbish. But to be fair, like you said, the concerto was a cool move and um, justified the chairs for them. They made it work. They made it work. And they, I see more as ladder people than I do Hardy for some reason. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, especially Edge. Yeah, definitely. My favourite... Um, one thing that kind of gets over, not overlooked, everyone knows it happened, but doesn't get as mentioned when they were the Los Con Los when they dressed up as those Mexican folks. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they weren't allowed while the Hardys were champions, they weren't allowed to um, challenge them for the titles as Edge and Christian. So suddenly, Los Conquistadors came out and um, eventually won the titles, and all crazy stuff happened. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, Team Wreck came on, and then unfortunately they split. And they never really had like they did kind of reunite to a degree when they would kind of meet up and help each other, but they never had that kind of tag team run again that all old tag teams seem to do for nostalgia. Once they were single competitors, they seemed to stay as single single competitors. Yeah, but part of me respects that as well. Yeah, hundred like percent. I like it a lot better. Yeah. And um, and it also gave us um, one of my favourite theme tunes, which is um, Christian, Christian, at last you're on your own. And, I hope that you committed to that. Thank you. Yeah, really committed to it. And it was um, that that music was good. No, it was good. Yes, glad you agree. <laughs> and they eventually went on to become seven time, seven time baby world tag team champions. Seven, like, yeah, it isn't that much nowadays, though, is it? It meant a lot back then. And yeah, between them, mainly Edge. I, I don't even know how many Edge got with all of his other ones. Including Redacted. Including Redacted, which he hit in the head with a brick. Yes, he did. Um, yeah, that's... I love bringing that, that up. That My favourite. That paid dividends, didn't it? Um, well, we discussed when we were playing wrestling last night. If you haven't guessed, all me and Jesse do is just talk wrestling or play wrestling. Um, and there's a match where he's facing Macho Man Randy Savage and he hits his head. He goes for a suicide dive, redacted I'm talking about, and hits his head on like the steel barrier. Yes, it's horrendous. Just horrible. It's from an episode. If you want to see it, YouTube, um, just YouTube, Benoit versus Macho Man Nitro. And go to, I think it's part two. The match is split into two parts on YouTube. And it's like within the first two minutes of part two. I thought you were um, going to go to the timestamp then. And then, yes, <laughs> you go to two minutes. <laughs> but if I did, you wouldn't have been that surprised, would you? Really wouldn't have been. No. But it's there. And it's it's just a horrendous um, shot to the head. But we're not here to talk about him. No, we're not. We're here to talk about my next choice. Um, good choice on Edge and Christian. Well done. Um, this one segues in quite nicely. This is um, the Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. Not counting. Are we? Do you hate the Hardy Boys? I don't hate the Hardy Boys, but Edge and Christian were better. Fight me. Oh, okay. Well, I hate you. Um, not not counting their current run, which I'm finding a little bit embarrassing and bland. Um, the Hardys of old um, made when I was a kid. Like they made wrestling. They were the first people that made wrestling feel really cool to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And. Um, like, because I was a bit of a Grebo kid and sort of getting into that sort of stuff. Yeah. And yeah, I know. And um, 
getting into all that. So the Hardys were like everything I wanted to be. They looked exactly how I wanted to look and just acted all like cool. And you wanted rough. to wear like see-through fishnet. Yeah, well, th- like <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they looked yeah, cool. right. I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. What you gonna do about it? Rip my fishnet. Uh, I <laughs> and they um, looked awesome. I thought, and yeah, like if I would have had the confidence, I would have uh, done. I I did actually buy um, the fishnet armbands. You don't remember when they were a thing? Oh, I do. Yeah, if so you, I I wore fishnet armbands for a bit. Hey, if you had the courage to rock a ginger mullet with the size of your head, you could I have did as well. Head. Yeah, with my light bulb head, my neck that's had a good idea, <laughs> but. Um, it's yeah, I, I rocked the fishnet armbands for a little bit until bigger boys um, bullied me for it, so I took them off and never wore them again. But um, but the Hardy Boys gave me the confidence to wear them for a short period of time, and then like they so like you know when when was the perfect Hardy Boys run? It was like from the late nineties to two thousand one, I would say was um, sort of their really good run. I'd say and, team extreme. Yeah, well, this is it when they add Lita to the mix, right? Like, so I'm get into the age where um things are changing in the old undercarriage right and um i'm growing up and developing a bit of a libido and then lita comes along who's just like the perfect girl to little pubescent jesse right and so it was just perfect for me and he hasn't stopped since and i haven't stopped since i mean i've moved on from lita just go go for other other grebo girls <laughs> <laughs> Is Grebo still a term? Do I don't know. Still... I don't know. If there's any, if you've got any young listeners, can you let us know if, number one, Grebo's still a word, and number two, do you have any idea what we're talking about? <laughs> we'll get many comments of just, no, no, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. I feel like Grebo was a very specific Tewkesbury, Gloucester kind of term. Yeah, I think you might be, I mean, not that, I don't know, because I remember speaking to some people who weren't from around here, and they've never heard the word Grebo. But then other people had, so I think it was just in random plots around the country that people had it. But yeah, it'd be interested to know how many people knew the word Grebo and how many didn't. Should have asked Benji. What did you? Yeah, yeah, um, I know. Um, what? What? What would you call a Grebo if you don't have the word Grebo though? Because those well, types like, of people. I've had this conversation with Steph in the past where it's kind of been like they just got called emo kids, and I'm like, well, that doesn't justify it. No, like, it yeah, doesn't. We wore dark clothing and we we liked heavier music but we didn't want to kill ourselves we want to kill everyone else but the grebos would bully the emos exactly we were one step above the totem pole yeah so i, I don't know just i i, I smelly, dirty people yeah i struggled didn't i at school between the emo and grebo line i sort of oh you I, danced you danced yeah. across that like you it was going out of style i did didn't i i liked i really liked the emo sort of style and the look and everything but yeah, I had the dyed t- black I had, hair, he yeah, had the, yeah. the little stretcher in. But I had too many Grebo friends to fully commit to the emo thing, because I knew they would have taken the piss out of me, so I could never fully go for it. We would have shunned you into the wasteland. Yeah, exactly. But um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. The Hardy Boys. Um, oh, yeah. They, <laughs> those guys. Um, so yeah, I, I don't count what they're doing right now in WE, because I think it's a bit... It makes me sad to see when you think how cool they used to be. You know what's great? That pop they got at WrestleMania. Oh god, yeah, that was awesome. Oh. Moments like that are brilliant. There's a there's a moment like that in um in my number one that I will talk about. Um that, Teasing. that yeah, um that was the same sort of thing, a huge return pop. I uh, love that, a good pop, especially yeah. that one. I I've watched that again and again and again. It's so good. But yeah, it's kind of everyone came in with the expectation of broken mat was gonna happen. Of course you weren't gonna get broken mat. Wake up, no. people. 
And Never going to happen. Even if you get him, even if you do get him now, it's too late. I think. Yeah. I think that the steam has cooled off on Matt Hardy, isn't it? Too much. Yeah, and with Jeff getting injured, it's just, it's just kind of hurt matters. In all honesty. Yeah. Also, hipster alert. I um, my favourite of the Hardy Boys when I was a kid was Matt. Really. Everyone no loved one likes Jeff. Matt. I know everyone loved Jeff, but I, I was I was into Matt mainly because when I played wrestling games, like with bigger boys, they would choose Jeff, and Stop so I, bigger boys. I, <laughs> so they would choose Jeff, and I, so I'd have to choose Matt because there was no one left. So I think he was maybe my favorite just by proxy because I always had to play as him. But and, yeah, and you like being a little hipster different, and I like being a little hipster different bitch. Okay, so um, <laughs> onto your um, number number two. Yeah, uh, I've been kind of doing an intro for every single one, but for this one, I'd kind of have to do a dance. I have to get like the T-Rex arms going, get the hair flopping back and forth. Bit of Leonard and Skinner playing on the airwaves as fabulous freebirds make their way to the ring, baby. Oh, come on. You're trying to sound like a hip, a uh, like wrestling snob. I snob, man. What You what cannot tag- deny that the fabulous freebirds are one of the best tag teams. But they kind of revolutionized tag team wrestling. How? Tell me how. Okay, when they were, you're getting really like a defensive. <laughs> I just think you've never mentioned the Fabulous Freebirds to me before in your life as anything you're even mildly interested in. Okay, so when they were kind of coming out, they were kind of the first tag team to have the the rocking gimmick, you know, not one of the first that kind of had the the music playing them out to the ring, really got the crowd into it. Um, they were just a great heel group between them. They had great charisma. They were, had great technical ability, and even now, you still have the freebird rule when it comes down to, you know, having multiple tag teams wrestled. That just didn't happen before. So when we're talking about, like, best tag teams, someone, a team that revolutionized tag team as a whole, they've got to be in there. They've just got to be in there. Okay, fine. Yeah, like the freebird rule. We wouldn't have, like, New Day and um, the Undisputed Era and things like that now, would we? Exactly. So they've, um, yeah, kind of had it. And and the shield. God, the shield. The shield as well, exactly. And they've held a ridiculous amount of tag team titles between them. Like, a stupid amount between them. Um, I really loved their kind of Hall of Fame induction speech that they had. Was it last year they got inducted? I think it was. Might have been the year before. Um, God, I can't remember now. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But when um, when Michael Hayes danced down to the stage, loved it, just love it with a fanny pack in tow. Of course, that's just all you need. But yeah, Michael P.S. Hayes, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, and Buddy Jack Roberts, some yeah. cool guys right there. Guys you want to have a drink with, man. And if you come out to like some some you know, every Lyndon Skinner that they came out, I think they had to change it after a while. Um, but like Bad Street USA, which um, Hayes. He sung it, he composed it, he wrote it, and he was singing that along um, as their entrance music. They were the first kind of tag team to have that kind of rock entrance music that really got the fans kind of into it and got them going. Yeah, fair enough, I like it. Um, so, side note, complete side note, do you know, do you know who wrote um, Shawn Michaels' music? I hope it's Vince McMahon. He didn't write it, no. Um, the writer... The writer, composer, and um, uh, playing instruments on that mu- on that song is Jimmy Hart. Really? Yeah, Jimmy Hart did loads of music stuff for WWF in the early nineties. How cool is that? I'd love to hear his voice trying to sing. You think I'm cute? <laughs> 
I do like the Vince McMahon version of that. It's out there on YouTube somewhere, isn't it? The Vince McMahon oh, singing that song. I think I came it's across fantastic. it the other day because I was trying to find it for someone. I was like, listen to how hilarious this is, and I couldn't find it. But I think someone posted it the other day, so I might have to dig that out. It's the way um, he, does, um, he goes, I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. <laughs> when we were talking about um, when we were having our hipster Survivor Series match of Brett versus Sean in 92, 92 yeah. when Sherry sings his music... It's oh, yeah. uh, sensational. Sherry sings it. Love that version. Yeah, it's because it actually makes it seem like he. It's not just him in his bathroom singing. I think I'm cute. Yeah, it works. the fact he sings it in his own voice is just weird. <laughs> well, that's the reason the Vince one exists apparently because Sean didn't want to do it. So Vince, it is sort of you know I would never ask my staff to do things I wouldn't do except Owen Hart. Um, so he um, <laughs> so he just sang it for him, and that's why that recording exists. <sighs> The more you know, people, the uh, more you know. Every day is a school day with the Jazzmeister. That's me. We're having a lot of that today. We're learning lots together. We are, aren't we? Lots of facts. So, good That's... choice on the Freebirds. Well done. I'm proud of you. Um, my number two, and we're going to... We're going home, Max. You're going Ooh. back back to Blighty. My number two is the British Bulldogs. Uh, I thought you'd have these in your list. Of course. There are countrymen, Max. Um, Dynamite Kid is one of my favourite in-ring performers of all time, as you know. Um, and also, as you know, like being a bit of a bastard seems to be a prerequisite for me and liking wrestlers. If you and... were a girl, your dad would have a hell of a time. <laughs> the men you would bring home. Yeah, well, people like Dynamite Kid, who, yeah. um, who once, um, I read this in um, the Ring of Hell book about the Chris Benoit tragedy, um, Dynamite Kid used to replace Davy Boy Smith's steroid needles with um, milk, so he'd inject milk into his veins, which apparently is supposed to be incredibly painful. <laughs> and that was just one of Dynamite Kid's little pranks. Um, but what yeah. a hilarious man! I know, funny, isn't it? Um, and he broke his niece's legs for insurance, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Dynamite Kid, one of my favourite England performers of all time, Davy Boy Smith. Um, with uh, this, this is what I've written in my notes. Uh, Davy Boy Smith, aside from being a roid and drug-addled mess of a man, rest in peace, I love you, <laughs> was one of my <laughs> was one of my favourites, as he's the only wrestler re- he he felt like the only wrestler represented our country, the WWF, like back then, you know, when he became a single star. True, but yeah, I didn't watch um, British Bulldogs when they were together because we're not old enough. Same with you and the Freebirds, but um, I've gone back and watched a lot and. They're awesome. They're just really good. They're one of the first tag teams I can think of that did the big and small dynamic. Like, again, Enzo, mm. Enzo and Cass that we were talking about, you know. Um, uh, same sort of thing. Dynamite being small. Um, and although, unlike Enzo, he was a phenomenal technical wrestler being small. And Davey yeah. Boy being um, just this big sort of powerhouse bruiser that then would hot tag in and throw you around after Davey's done, after Dynamite, sorry, has done some um, awesome technical stuff. I always forget that Davey's dead because his son is an exact clone of his, him. So, yeah, Davey Woodsmith Jr. is exactly the same. It's weird. But yeah, Davey Woodsmith, it's, it's weird. He sort of, he, he was a real big deal in his prime and he sort of died and no one seemed to care that much. No, it was around that time where like everyone was dropping off from that era. Yeah, it was weird. But I, I've got a big soft spot for Davey Boy Smith. Do you know why his middle name is Boy? No, that's his legit middle name. What? And yeah, you and can it's, name your child Boy. It's because when the when the father who 
I guess wasn't too bright, was filling out the birth certificate. He got the bit where you write the gender and the middle name mixed up, so he just wrote boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm doing that. And that ended up being Davy Boy Smith's name. But how cool is that? It works, doesn't it? It rolls off the tongue, Davy Boy Smith. It's true. I like it. Yeah. Maybe he was a genius. Maybe he was a maverick. Yeah, maybe. It's, I mean, it's a cool name. And that family, you know, they were legit um, cousins, the British Bulldogs, and uh, did not get on. They hated each other's guts. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, God, they couldn't stand each other. Um, Di- Tom Billington, Dynamite Kid's book is worth a read. I mean, it, it's obviously hateful, but su- but surprise, <laughs> but surprisingly... He's been left alone to die in a nursing home, of course. Yeah, yeah. But surprisingly well written and very good. It'll be very strange when Dynamite Kid dies. It'll be interesting to see how people react. I don't think there'll be a lot of fanfare in all honesty. It's tough because he really is one of the greatest wrestlers we've ever had. Yeah, definitely. But So if you're just looking at the art form, he he shouldn't be forgotten. But let's see how that's worked out previously for your quote-unquote greatest wrestler of all time yeah but he's not he's not forgotten is he people still remember him and post clips all the time and stuff like that and yeah because you mention him every bloody week <laughs> i love you ben wow. <laughs> but um but yeah anyway um yeah the british bulldogs they are they were awesome and rest in peace davy and soon rest in peace dynamite soon you're counting on it do you want to put a date on it yeah shall i um this will be amazing if we um get it i mean it's winter now so it's getting cold and um (laughs) (laughs) stop lost (laughs) what just like oh yes it's winter now let's take that into fact (laughs) cold easterly breeze coming in from the west well it is i mean like the old and the weak don't live through the cold very well so i reckon i reckon it's soon um i'm gonna say January the 23rd, 2018. Holy shit, if you get this right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. January the 23rd. All right, listen, my words! You've listened to Jesse predict someone's death live on air. We need to we need to make a note of this so that when we do a podcast around Oh, I, th- I, I, think, I think the listeners will remind us, don't okay. you worry. Cool. All you right. are! I can see the complaints coming in now. <laughs> you are! The baby's got a family! Well, he doesn't. Well, he's got a daughter who, um, who does um, topless modelling. How do you know that? <laughs> she she runs his pro wrestling tees page as well. Um, she's got a mental name. I can't remember what it is. Um, Summit Billington. Oh, girl in the middle, is it? <laughs> it's not. That would have been amazing, though. Like family tradition. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's why that's that's my that's my prediction, and um, that's the British Bulldogs. That was my number two. We're on to your number one, Max. Hit us with it. And we're on to my number one. We've had no crossovers. No. And um, you haven't stolen my um, spotlight. No. I think this is for three weeks in a row you stole my number one. Well, you might steal mine. I might do. And let me tell you, brother. Oh, what a rush it is. Ah, no, you haven't. Nice choice, though. It is the Legion of Doom. Um, It's kind of hard to argue that they're kind of revered as one of the best tag teams of all time. Um you just look at the Legion of Doom when they came to the ring. And I always remember watching them as a kid. Um, Cause one of my first ever figures, this was when like Droz was getting involved with them. When, when oh God, uh, LOD 2000, LOD 2000 was, was my era of Legion of Doom. I know 
criminal. And I have gone back and watched Savile Legion to do my promise. Um, but yeah, draws LOD 2000. Um, yeah, my, my nan, bless her, she, she bought, um, some wrestling figures for me one Christmas because she knew I liked wrestling. And, uh, she bought me D'Lo Brown, draws, and one of the headbangers. Nice. The most randomest mix. Just one of the, one of the headbangers. One of the headbangers. I think it was Mosh. Nice. Oh, by the way, if if any listeners are feeling generous for the Christmas season, I'm after um, the Headbangers Hasbro toys right now. They're missing from my collection. So if anyone um, has any from childhood, just send them to me. Thanks. Carry on, Max. <laughs> You'll be so happy if someone does that. Oh, man. Make your day. Um, yeah, so that was my kind of era. Side story there. But the Legion of Doom, when they were together, Hawk and Animal, what a tag team. They came down with that kind of post-apocalyptic armor with the spikes on. They wore, wore face paint, and they were just bad dudes, man. That annoys were... me. What does? My LOD Hasbro figures have the um, shoulder pads on, and mm. you obviously you can't remove them. So when you um, when you do your fantasy wrestling matches with your Hasbro toys, which we all do at age twenty-seven, yeah, they're still wearing them. You. you that's not that's not how they would wrestle. It's not right. Carry Threw on. Them out the window. Carry on. Threw them out. Well, no, they're standing in my ring um, against um, uh, opposite me right now. In fact, um, and I I paid a lot of money for them actually because they're uh, the spikes famously um, come off quite easily. Like they get broken off. So I bought um, secondhand Legion of Doom with all their spikes intact, and it um, I paid more money for them than I'm willing to admit. <laughs> as is most of your collection. Yeah. Anyway, cool story, bro. Uh, Hawk and Animal introduced a the tandem maneuver that everyone knows now called the Doomsday Device, which I, I saw a few men get dropped on their head. Oh, God, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yes. Um, and it just made them even more scary, in all honesty. They were kind of the first massive dudes to have that kind of face paint and that kind of look. And when you're however old I was at the time... That really stands out to you, and you go, "Ooh, ooh, what a rush!" Ooh, nice face paint was uh, <laughs> was kind of a thing for me, wasn't it? it? Kind of awoke something in me, face paint. Well, I think I think so. You've got yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, they they had an awesome career. Started back way early in the eighties, managed by Paul Lowering, who you now know as managing um, authors of Pain. Some more big dudes. Uh, he's got a thing for the big dudes. Does Lowering. Gorgeous pool. Gorgeous pool. Um, and yeah, great tag team. They've obviously had some missteps along the way. Heidenreich being the most famous. Oh, God, I'd forgotten about that. How can you forget about Heidenreich? Well, when... no, I hadn't forgotten about Heidenreich and his um, poetry reading bum sex he gave Michael Cole. But you... That know, happened, folks. That happened. That did happen. That's what you remember when you think about John Heidenreich, isn't it's it? Great. Anal rape. It comes into mind. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, national television. <laughs> it was. Legion of Doom 2005, it was Heidenreich, Animal, and even had Christy Hemi as a valet at some point. God, I don't remember all this. That feels Pretty really bad. contemporary. Yeah, they had, um, so you had Road Warriors slash Legion of Doom in the original, where you had Hawk and Animal, um, Crush was there, uh, Power Warrior in Japan, but no one really knows about that, so we'll leave that alone. Howl Razors were just Hawk and Power. Legion of Doom in 2000 was Hawk and Animal with Puke draws, but he was Puke at the time, with yeah. Sonny as their manager. And uh, then, yeah, Heidenreich and Christy Hemi to end the legacy that is the Legion of Doom. 
and um, which one's <laughs> dead? It Haw- Hawk's the dead one, isn't he? Uh, yes, Hawk's the dead one. Yeah, animal lives on. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, it's there was a weird time going back to WCW again. Um, in Nitro, there was a weird time where one of them had a contract dispute, but the other one didn't. And I can't remember which one it was. So either Animal or Hawk was like suddenly the single star on Nitro, which was really bizarre to see and just didn't didn't work for me. I was watching a match earlier where it was like this was when Droz was was teaming with them because I can't like, oh, let's live some nostalgia. So it was um, Droz and Animal, I think, and Hawk was just at ringside and Jr. just drops the most casual. Yeah, so Hawk's back from his rehabilitation for addiction to pain pills. <laughs> so you could do that then. Couldn't you? That's why uh, we were talking what? about. You, you could just casually drop like all the things that <laughs> they just desperately try and hide now. And then it became like they're demons, and then they just yeah tried to ignore it altogether. Yeah, um, but God, uh, like think about. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. The um, extra on the WrestleMania twenty DVD of uh, the documentary called "The Mania of WrestleMania," which is all about WrestleMania nineteen, mm-hmm. and. All of that, That's that whole documentary is just WWE admitting that they sent all their wrestlers out with a very real risk of death. Yeah. Yeah, Kurt Angle just getting out of surgery and then being like, I'm going to wrestle. And then Austin being in the hospital being like, I'm going to go wrestle. Yeah, it was. And they're just so, like, they're just documenting all this stuff. And it's brilliant. It was like a WWE 24 before WWE 24, wasn't it? Almost. Mm-hmm. And, um,. But God, like you could never do a documentary like that now. But they just happily put it out there, and it's like, yeah, this is this is <laughs> look what how we tough do. they are. Yeah, because yeah, Brock even got a concussion, our... didn't they? And they were like, we couldn't control him backstage. It was like a bear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they show the footage of it. And it's like you couldn't do that now. Well, you could. It would be awesome, but they won't do that now. No, they won't. That's the smart plan. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, whatever you want to call them, great tag team, multiple world champions in NWA, WE, IWGP, uh, tag teams of the year, feuds of the year. Just they're they're great. They're great. They're great. Good good choice. Good choice as a tag team. Um, now I feel like mine. I don't know if they justify number one, like really, but they do. They do to me. Um. So. My number one. Not a single crossover, Max. Not a single crossover. I think this is the first episode ever. It is, isn't it? We nearly... No, it's not. No, it can't be. Um, uh, the Survivor Series one, we nearly went five for five on crossovers, didn't we? Except for the last one. But anyway, my number one is the Dudley Boys. Oh. Mm. Mm. Jesse Benz. Did they did, tell me intrigued? Yeah. Did they ever? Did they even enter your mind when you were putting? They did, in all honesty. They're one of the most decorated tag teams of all time. Of They're course, the most decorated tag team of all time. Yes. Yes. Thank you for agreeing. So, um, like the Hardy Boys, this was sort of a team that I just thought were the epitome of cool when I was a kid. And I know, like, neither of them are sort of good wrestlers, particularly. Uh, they're little more than sort of solid hands in the ring, really. But there's sort of something about the chemistry they have with each other and the connection they have with the audience that just comes through the telly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just, it's like, uh, uh, well, I've written in my notes here. I enjoyed Bubba's, this is my notes. Um, I enjoyed Bubba's phase when they first came to the WWE of putting women through tables and getting a weird cum face every time he did it. And um, I also love, uh, you know, the Devon Get the Tables, Always pops a crowd. 
always pops me at home, right? Little Jesse Burner comes out. Little, yeah, exactly. It's just it's just a cool moment, right? Because the fans are so ready for it. And um, now uh, this is sort of a bad thing, but whenever there's a remotely hardcore match in WWE, they fans always chant "We want tables," and that's because of the Dudley Boys. True. Um, you watch so many early 2000s WF, WE pay-per-views and you find a, a, a lot of them open with Dudley Boy matches. Like, it's the opening match on a hell of a lot of pay-per-views back then. Yeah. And I, I, I like to think that that's because they're just the act to get the crowd going straight away. Do you know what I mean? They just get the crowd full of energy and pop in immediately. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And all just, just so good not even job. when they've got kind of tag team stuff. The the moves they do as a tag team, you know, Bubba's kind of punch stomp and the rock and roll and then the diving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just all perfect. It just gets the crowd going and and that's why crowds were better back then because they had people like the Dudley Boys to get them, you know, rolled up in the correct way. And um, talking about um, the Hardy Boys coming back at WrestleMania and the pop that got, when the Dudley Boys came back a couple of years ago, the night after SummerSlam on Raw, do you remember that? Mm, yes. And it yeah. was just out of nowhere, and it was a complete secret that that was happening. And that was awesome. Like, just the pop that got. And again, that led on to a sort of bland run that I'd rather forget. And um, when I said earlier about a team, this is the team who obviously did a lot in TNA and stuff as well, but nothing that I consider really of note. Um, until, you know, not counted Bully Ray as a solo performer, because I thought that was phenomenal. But um, Dudley Boys is, or Team 3D, um, not as good. But their WE stuff and their ECW stuff to a degree, I know they're hailed as like ECW originals, but I have to say that um, th- they were much more impressive in WWE in the early 2000s for me, as far as what they did. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with that. And it's, as you say, they're the most decorated champions, they, they've just got it all going for them, and they got the pop whenever they needed it. And as you say, that return, when that pyro hit, and you, it was interesting, you could kind of see half the audience who knew what was going on, um, and then there was the the newer fans who were like, I don't understand, why is there an explosion on the rampway? Yeah, <laughs> who are these old men? But then they got it. Then they got it. Then they got it. But it, yeah, it was done in a way that I think new fans um, just got on board straight away. They were like, "These guys look cool," you know, with the entrance like that and the pop and everything. And it was, I was in, like that. And, it, and well. it was in Philly. Was it? No, it was in New York, wasn't it? It was in New York. Yeah. So um, yeah, like even more of a pop. I always like the look at the Dudleys as well, the camo, and then the the glasses without the lenses on them. Yeah. It was just I just thought it was a cool look that they had, especially the when various the, the various explanations on how they were half brothers. Yeah, and then you added Spike into the mix, and I got even more confusing. Yeah, it's one hell of a mini little soap d- drama that one. Loved it. <laughs> their debut's weird. Have you ever watched like their proper debut? They come in with um, I don't know who they kind of beat up, but they they come in with some two by four, yeah, and they just hit some people with some two by four and then run off to the back. Don't like <laughs> stand and be like, yeah, we're we're here. They literally hit them and then just quietly disappear to the back. It's really funny. Was that tie dye Dudley's? Uh, I think that might have been tie dye Dudleys. Yeah, I think they they were tie dye Dudleys for a while before they went camo, weren't they? Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think that is our top five tag teams of all time, and I've just received a Twitter message right now from whom? Right this second by Mister Carl Robinson, who's asking, "Is it just tag teams we're talking about, or those that have been champs? Because if it's just any tag teams, I've got a few to suggest." So oh. I said. Lay it on me, brother. Bitch. 
<clears throat> and he came in. <laughs> he came in with some some interesting ones. Regal and Tajiri. <laughs> yeah, okay. I just love the, the the bond that Regal and Tajiri have. I the like he's, he's still to this day. Um he so he was in a supermarket with Tajiri on a UK tour. And um, Tajiri saw some spam and just said, what spam? And um, Regal went, oh, it's what poor people eat. And then he picked it up and shoved it into Tajiri's face and went, that's why you eat it. <laughs> and then um, I saw an interview with Tajiri and he said, even to this day, about once a month, he'll get a text from uh, Regal and it'll just be a picture of some spam. <laughs> <laughs> Not how's your family? How's your week been? Just no, spam. just spam. Yeah. Uh, next one, I think, is just trying to win points with us. Ben Warren Edge. Yeah, yeah, that is just trying to win points with us. You're a suck up. Um, but it's true though. But it is. They were a cool tag team. I really. That was awesome when we were. Because um, you and me were obviously best friends, and Ben yeah. just won the. <laughs> ben just won the uh, world title at Media Twenty, and it's like, yeah, I'm on top of the world, man. And then your favorite and my favorite become world tag champs as well, and it was like, ah, oh, this is the best thing ever. And then, um, later on, after Edge turned heel, um, Benoit was tag champs again with Edge at that time. Do you remember? And then Edge turned heel, and Benoit just defended the tag titles on his own. He became a one-man tag team. And that's all he needed to be. It was awesome. That's all he needed. Um, And then the last one was Billy and Chuck and Too Cool. I don't remember Billy and Chuck and Too Cool being tag team champions. I remember Billy and Chuck being champions, and they were great. Scotty Too Hotty and Albert, I remember, during that time. Yeah. Um, uh, but Too Cool was... You know who Too Cool are, right? That's Rikishi, Scotty Too Hotty, and Grandmaster Sexy. Yeah. But is he saying... No, he must be saying them separately. He's saying them separately. Yeah, of course he is, you moron. Of course he is. I just have to check, man. What are you talking... You're, you're an idiot. You're an um, idiot. You you're idiot. stupid man. Um, yes, Billy and Chuck were pretty good, although um, I feel like both... You know, um, Mr. Ass and Chuck of the FBI, and he like deserved better, really. Full circle. We've taken this podcast full circle. Yeah, and I feel like Billy and Chuck was kind of a could have been a great thing for WEPR wise, and then they just did what they yeah, love to do. Um, oh yeah, going back to, and going back slightly. You know, we were talking about Heidenreich and the um, anal rape. I recall. And um, they um, that came about. Vince McMahon booked that, obviously. Shocker. And he says that um, it came to him in a dream. (laughs) (laughs) He said that he he just woke up and he just dreamt it. He woke up and he was like, I love it. I've got to do it. Linda, get me my pen. (laughs) Get me my quill. Give me me the book. But um, yeah, I love that. (laughs) 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 That's fact, baby. And, uh, yeah, and too cool. My favourite too cool moment of all time is in the Royal Rumble 2000, I think it is. It might be 2001, when the three of them are the only ones left in the ring, and then they do their dance, and it's awesome. And then Rikishi just fucks them both up and chucks them out of the ring. As you would, as you would. But uh, those are some solid suggestions. I wouldn't put them in the echelons of top five tag teams of all time, but some fun tag teams nonetheless. Well, he's obviously of an era, isn't he? His uh, favourite wrestling era was sort of 2000 and sort of 1, 2002. We really can't talk. Based, on, Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So based on his choices, he's stuck with, he's stuck with the era he loves, and I respect that. Respect it, Carl. Thanks, thank you very much. Thank um, you. But now on to pressing matters of the evening. No joking around anymore, okay? Okay, right. Got to get serious, serious right now. 
we did our pay-per-view predictions last week, as we always do for a pay-per-view. Whoever loses these predictions based on match choices and Mautzer ratings, which came out today, the loser has to do a forfeit. Jesse currently stands at two victories. I stand at one. This time, we had to do TakeOver and Survivor Series. And what a weekend it was. Now, we've already discussed what happened previously, but uh, when it comes to matches themselves and scoring-wise, do you want to know how how TakeOver went? Yes. TakeOver-wise, I um, did better at... Actually, the whole weekend, I did better at the Mauta predictions. That was kind of my wheelhouse for what I did. Uh, But TakeOver scores ended at me were free... Jesse at five. Yes! It was close, though. We, um... Undisputed Era. We were very close to that one. Well, um, we, made a, we made a mistake. I think we thought that the um, War Games match was for the NXT tag titles. We did. And it, and it wasn't. But we were right, sir, because you gave it 4.25 and Mountster gave it 4.5, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, yeah, people nearly died in that match. <laughs> Uh, the only one that was spot on, we had two matches that were spot on. I got Black and Dream correct at four stars, nailed that one exactly. And you got the women's match at 3.25 exactly correct. Very good. None Everything of us, else we... was about only 0.25 out. It wasn't massive. Nice. Neither of us um, predicted the right winner for um, any of the title matches, though, did we? No, we did not. No. No, we did not. Um, now, Survivor Series... The Survivor Series scores were very close. We we threw back and forth between each other to the point that there's only one point in our Survivor Series prediction. But and unfortunately... That, but, I, but I'm two points ahead on NXT. Exactly. So I got eight. You got nine. <laughs> yes, come on! Final score being 11 to me, 14 to Jesse. So... Um... It was a um, it was a mauling, is what you're trying to say. Mauling. It was like a four point five classic that will be remembered throughout the ages. Um, yeah, we were so women's elimination. I got spot on two point five stars, and did we get any others spot on? No, Lesnar AJ, you came very close, four point two five, rightfully so. Do you want to know what we ballsed up on? What the we, main event? Good Jesus, because it was awful, and we thought it'd be good. Me and Jesse said last week, you can go back and listen if you want, just to confirm. We said 4.25 stars. Last year's was amazing. They know how to book it with storylines, integrating it into old past storylines. You've got 10 of the greatest wrestlers today in that ring. No way can you mess it up. Do you want to know what the actual score was, Jesse? I I know, but I'll I'll let you have your moment. Humor me. Humor me for this one. Okay. Um, Go on, tell me, Max. 1.75. 1.75. 1.75. And barely a, earned. A steaming dump of a match that was. It was. Such a shame. I was expecting so much out of that match. We were so excited, weren't so we? So excited. Lol, yeah. Triple H. Yeah, Triple H. Is st- he proper went like, he went to back old burying mode, didn't he? Which he hasn't been in for a long, long time. And he loved it. You could tell in his eyes, he had a great time doing it. He's been like, cool guy, you know, like, oh, I'm friends with all the indie wrestlers, I book NXT, I give the fans what they want. He's been that for a few years, and we we started to forget about old, you know, it's all about me, bury everyone, Triple H, but he came back in fine form at Survivor Series. My favourite thing was, like, afterwards on Twitter, just everyone posting the gif of him, just with the shovel, 
when he's yes. doing the Funkadactyl entrance, just bearing away. <laughs> Makes me so happy when that comes out. Um, but maybe it will lead to something interesting, uh, setting up the Royal Rumble in WrestleMania. Who knows? We're not in the writer's room. We've got to trust the WE guys. They know what they're professionals. They know what they're doing. Yeah, well, Triple H's argument, whatever people say this, he's like, he always says in interviews, he's like, well, you know, we're an episodic TV show. We just keep going forever. So if you don't like where we are right now, just keep watching so you don't know where we're going with it. And it's like, well, okay, but everyone tuned into Survivor Series for a payoff. You tune into big shows like that for a payoff. You can't just say, we're going to go somewhere else and that's why you need to keep watching because that's a trap. <laughs> that's like that's like kidnapping us, right? We've been doing this for 15 years. Exactly. No, way longer than that. Oh, God, yeah, much longer. Now. Yes, tragic. It's 2017, Max. Oh, Jesus. Feels like 2007. Yeah, I know. And basically, we're at Stockholm Syndrome at this point. That's exactly. where we're at with the WE. We yeah. want to leave, but we can't. No, never will. Never so, will. you win the series 3-1. to one. Not a huge lead. I can make it back by the end of the year. Not an issue. Not even worried about it. But ah, well, I'm better at guessing than you, so you're not going to win. Shut up! Shut your whore mouth! You shut your whore mouth. That's my word. So um, I haven't even come up. I haven't even come up with a forfeit because I didn't expect to win. To be honest with you, you lazy bugger. I know, but I will think on it and I will announce what your forfeit's going to be on next week's show. How's that for a teaser? Little tease. I like it because we've got some time to the next pay per view, so we might as well drag this out for as long as possible. Yeah, exactly. Let's milk this cash cow. <laughs> bye bye <laughs> awesome Adam Cole's baby I loved it before I love it even more now over like Rover mate uh, I love stuff that gets over yeah me too me love too it. I enjoyed it in um, at Wrestle Kingdom last year when he had the Ring of Honor um, title match against Kyle Riley and uh, the Japanese were hesitant at first but they, they really got into the baby thing and uh, it was quite sweet to watch them all do it <laughs> as long as say Kyle O'Reilly's name as well <laughs> Kyrie O'Reilly Kyrie O'Reilly oh, it's not racist Os- it's how they actually say it Will Osprey's still my favourite We Will Osprey just doesn't work I'm surprised they even signed him they're like can't just don't like your name I know yeah well they changed um, Figaro's name didn't they to Prince Devitt they did well that was that was never going to happen let's be honest no we talked about this last week I think <laughs> yeah. we basically just repeat ourselves weekly but if anyone gets to this point in the show, they're heroes, and they, oh, they were listening to it. I'll have some chiquito. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think that about does it. Uh, we haven't even discussed next week's top five. Completely unprepared for this episode, so we'll um, post that on the social medias this week. That's what we're going to tease. Yeah, we don't know what we're doing yet, but um, you could do do another vote. Put a vote to the people. Should we do a vote? Yeah. They had to vote last time. Yeah, let's do another vote. And with vote. our new Twitter followers, they'll be like, Ooh, let's get involved. We do have brand new Twitter followers, and we need more to get a Pro Wrestling Tees um, account, so bring it on. 10,000 people, like, share, subscribe, send this beautiful podcast around. We have fun doing it, and you have fun listening to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, find us everywhere on the social medias. Twitter, we're big fans of. Instagram, find us there. We love posting pictures of wrestlers and stuff. Uh, Facebook as well. Uh, all you have to do is search Got Till 5 and we'll come across everywhere. Also, find us on iTunes, the Apple Podcast, and click the subscribe button. And we'll automatically download into your computer every week, you lucky people. Yes, my, my phone does it. Every time you upload a new Got Till 5, I go, ooh, and my phone beeps. And, and I never listen to it because I, I heard it because I'm doing it right now. But it's there. Exactly. 
It's there. You know it's happening. Yeah. And um, yeah, I had a friend send me a screenshot saying, damn you for automatically downloading. I was like, it's your own fault for subscribing. Yeah, but don't, please don't unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> please stay. Please stay. <laughs> cool. Abusive, but not that far. Um, Let's side out because with ben- Benji's interview at the start of this, this is going to be the longest podcast ever. Longest podcast ever. Yeah, thank you for Benji at the start of the show. Thank you to my beautiful co-host, Jesse. Thanks, Who'll mate. do a proper sign-off in a bit. Uh, no. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope to see you again next week. Bye, love you all. You're the best. Bye. That was the worst sign-off I've ever heard in my life. Oh, well, you put me on the spot. You st- oh, bye. Bye! <laughs> you have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five.